Welcome to episode 13 of the Innovation Cookbook, a podcast where we interview innovators and entrepreneurs in search of the recipes that led to their success and innovation. I'm your host, Andrew Greenstein, Head of Product Development at SF AppWorks, an innovation agency. Today's guest is Glenn Gonzalez, founder and CEO of private jet company Jetit. Glenn served in the United States Air Force as an F-15 flight commander before working as a regional sales manager for the Honda Aircraft Company, where he loved the small but mighty Honda jet so much that he started a company around it. He has an MBA, a master's in aeronautical science, and a BS in behavioral science with a concentration in human factors engineering. He's also a speaker, a spokesman for Make-A-Wish, and the founder of a military community outreach organization, the 71st Fighter Squadron Iron Foundation, and, as I just learned, he is uh, the Regional Entrepreneur of the Year for Ernst & Young. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we were just notified of that. <laughs> All right. Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, congratulations. A ton of accomplishments. Thank you so much for your service and also for being on the show today. Welcome. Andrew, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of Lucky 13. All right. That it is. Let's start with the important stuff. What is it like flying an F-15? <laughs> Uh, it's an exhilarating experience. You are one with the machine. Uh, you actually literally tie into the machine where your G-suit, which uh, protects you or somewhat uh, from the G's that you're pulling when you're up pulling nine or uh, eight or nine G's, um, you, it connects to the airplane. And so as the airplane pulls G's, uh, you feel that. And uh, so it's physically demanding, emotionally demanding, mentally draining. Um, but it is the sport of kings. Uh, only a very small handful of people have an opportunity to fly fighters, and I'm so blessed and fortunate to have uh, experienced such an amazing thrill. I can't imagine. I think it has to be one of the true technological achievements of our of our species. Um, and I've always wondered: can you plug an iPod into it? Like, can you get your music <laughs> going, or how does that how does that work? <laughs> You know, it definitely you can now, uh, you can connect it through your, your wire and your, your codes. A lot of headsets nowadays actually connect via Bluetooth. Uh, unfortunately, though, when you're flying fighters, uh, you, you really shouldn't have a cell phone because there's a lot of classified information that's going on uh, on the screens in front of you or what you see out uh, as far as what the weapons can do. Uh, so what we used to do is we'd have a, an old school phone and we'd put it into our microphone in our mask when we're crossing the ocean. And so you'd have tunes playing through the microphone and your mask, uh, and then you could listen to it uh, on flight. That is so cool. Um, last question. Do you judge commercial pilots on their landing? <laughs> I, I know Air Force versus Navy. If it's a firm, hard landing, it's definitely a former Navy pilot. <laughs> um, but, uh, and if it's smooth, it's, it's clearly an air force person. I see because of the aircraft carrier landings, right? Exactly. Um, really cool. So tell us, how did you get from flying a jet to running a jet company? Tell us the story. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to keep it brief, but, uh, and I, look, I loved flying fighters. I loved teaching in the air force. Uh, I taught the students that would go on to fly fighters and bombers, tremendous experience, but, uh, what, what I learned in, in that process was, you know, the Air Force needs sometimes are different from your family needs. And so I, I transitioned off of the active duty and I went to a company called Gulfstream. Gulfstream builds the G550 and G6. And, and I started there in March of 2009. 
Well, in May of 2009, I was out of a job. Uh, of course, the global economic downturn was challenging for us all, but what that experience taught me was that as a flight crew, as a pilot, you know, we're the first to be let go and the last to be brought back. And fortunately, Gulfstream did bring me back. But in that time frame, what I learned was you know, there's a lot more that I can do. I did some defense contracting work. I did some business development work. And I set my sights on doing more than just flying airplanes. And that's what uh, inspired me to go and, and finish one graduate degree, start another MBA, and essentially earn my way into sales. And I figured the best way to earn the living that I wanted and to stay close to what I loved in aviation was to transition into a sales role. And that's what landed me at Honda Aircraft Company, which uh, I saw a huge gap in the market. And uh, here we are today. Very cool. So tell us, what is it about Jetta that is unique? There's a ton that's unique about Jetit. I think the first piece of Jetit is, you know, we're a days-based solution. Um, you want the airplane for any period of time, um, and, and it's yours, but you don't have to buy the whole airplane. So you are buying a piece of it. You're buying a fraction. You own a fraction. It's titled to you. But when you need the airplane, it's yours for the whole day. The advantage to that is what most people want to do is they want to go out and be back and, uh, maybe make a couple of stops in a day. I like to think of it as how we use our cars for errands. Well, now those errands extend to multiple states. Those errands extend to provide you with a tremendous return on your investment for meeting with a customer first, for closing a new deal with a supplier. Uh, the, those things can happen very quickly and you wanna be there first. You wanna have that FaceTime with those clients. Um, in addition to that, the benefit of owning your own airplane is the low cost. In our case, you have the entire airplane for the day and you're only paying $1,600 an hour when you're using the airplane. It's unmatched um, in the entire industry and it works because of our business model, because of the leap in technology, that being the Honda jet and the market that's clamoring for it. Low cost compared to flying other jets, but of course not compared to other forms of transportation. Do you think we'll ever get to the flying cars stage where jets could actually be the kind of thing that anyone could take to work or anywhere else? Yeah. I think eventually at some point in time, absolutely. There is though a challenge with it because it's physics. Um, the larger some item that you're moving, uh, the, the more energy it requires. It's just like moving a big heavy box from one side of the room to the, the other. Um, it takes a lot more energy to do so. Uh, well, when you multiply that thousands of times and you're moving a 30,000 pound aircraft versus a 10,000 pound aircraft, um, it becomes more difficult. You need more energy, you need more fuel, uh, you need more precise equipment. And those things require resources. Um, and so as technology evolves and continues to change, uh, we most recently uh, have made a, a significant investment in acquiring a number of electric aircraft uh, again, removing one of those major elements as fuel uh, out of the equation to bring down the cost. So as technology continues to evolve, um, I, I think eventually we'll see it, but I don't expect it anytime soon. Do you expect the industry to transform to fully electric airplanes at some point? You know, the, the challenge with electric uh, is you can only go so fast. Um, a, a jet engine, it's a combustion engine, it's relying upon the force that's going out of the back of the airplane after you combust it and you flow it and funnel it uh, in, an, in one direction and that uh, opposite force propels you forward. 
the electric aircraft right now can only be propelled by uh, a propeller and a propeller has drag limitations. It can only do so much. Uh, so uh, we'll definitely see it, but if speed is a necessity, um, electric aircraft do have their limitations in that sense. And don't take this the wrong way, but do you see pilots still being an essential role in flying planes or are you expecting planes to go fully autonomous as well? Yeah, I, I think there will be uh, stages uh, and eventually we will definitely see pilot-free airplanes. Um, the initial stage, I believe, will be uh, a combination, a, a more hybrid model where you're connecting uh, with someone who's piloting the aircraft on the ground and can support the pilot that's in the aircraft. You know, this is all kind of a natural evolution. It's unstoppable in that sense. You know, trains used to have seven or eight people working on those trains. You've got a spotter, an engineer, you've got someone who's shoveling coal and someone who's managing the temperature. Um, well, now you have a single person who's managing the train and they're essentially there to just make sure it's switching onto the track it's supposed to switch onto. They're there in the emergency sense. And that's uh, what, what I think you'll we'll see with pilots here in the next couple of decades. So how do you disrupt an industry like the airline industry? Uh, that's a good question. I, I hope to figure it out. <laughs> uh, but what I, I think there are a number of common threads when it comes to any disruptor. Uh, you have to have a leap in technology, whether that's a leap in technology from a service standpoint, equipment standpoint. Um, it, that, that's the first step. The second step is you have to have a market that's ready for it, a market that's looking for this additional need. And then the third piece of that disruption is you have to have an innovative business model. These aren't my ideas. Uh, Tony Siba, Gary Bassano, uh, professors at Stanford and Harvard, they're the ones who have been boisterous about those ideas. However, in the case of Jetit, our leap in technology is the Honda Jet. It is faster, has more space, it is quieter, it feels like a much bigger airplane than it is, and it's more efficient in the process. So the customer gets something that they want. The aircraft and as an operator, uh, its efficiency is something that we want. The entire market is all looking for more autonomy and efficiency in how they travel. That's just the natural evolution of all transportation. Um, and then the last piece is our business model, the fractionalizing of a highly efficient aircraft, the single airplane fleet uh, or single manufactured airplane fleet, uh, coupled with a business model that's unique in that uh, how we approach the model. Uh, we consider ourselves symbiotic economies versus a sharing economy relationship. What are some of the challenges you are facing? Yeah, there are all kinds of challenges, Andrew. It, the primary thing I would say from a, a challenge is, you know, we are a new entity growing very quickly and we want to make sure that we scale versus grow. Um, so we have to make sure that we are properly staffed, properly aligned with all of our team members and that everyone stays on the same page as related to our culture and, and never forgetting who we are. Along those lines, we have a single supplier, and that being Honda Aircraft Company. Uh, and they produce a phenomenal product, but we're growing together through this process. So this, this learning and the challenges associated with it are, are, of course, of steep concern to us to make sure that they are healthy and that we're healthy and um, that they can meet our needs as we grow and scale and that uh, we're prepared for supporting our marketplace with their product. How has the pandemic changed air travel? The pandemic has been very interesting. In our case, 
we've had a lot more business, but I don't know if it's caused by the pandemic. Our premise initially and, and always has been, as people have access, companies like Wheels Up and Jet Smarter before them, uh, they've created a lot of access for customers. That access allows people or encourages people to become more aware, to educate themselves of what else is in the marketplace. Um, and that once they become aware, they then start to put pressure on the marketplace by making decisions uh, in their interest. With our value proposition, those interests oftentimes are, are related to, can someone provide the same service uh, at a lower price point um, and meet my needs and keep me satisfied in the process? That's one of the things that we do well, operate safely, keep people happy. That being said, with the pandemic, it's encouraged that awareness. It's encouraged that access. I now need that access. I've been thinking about flying privately, but now I'm gonna actually pull the trigger on it. What else is out there? And uh, in turn, people find us and it's of course accelerated our growth in that sense. If you think about uh, your business trajectory as a baseball game, what would be a base hit for you and what would be a home run? We kind of approach everything as let's hit a lot of base hits and we will load up the bases and maybe we'll hit a, a grand slam or, or maybe we'll just keep knocking batters in one at a time. So one handshake, one conversation, everything's an advancement. That's what we're after. We want to advance to the next step in each conversation, each demonstration flight, each, each customer flight, each invoice that we sends out. Everything needs to be solid and, and in line with our fundamentals, in line with our values. The home runs are just continuing to succeed every day to bring in more airplanes as they come about, uh, meeting the customer needs and then expanding into new environments. Uh, we presently are in operation in Canada. We're in operation here in the US. Uh, my co-founder runs uh, our effort Jet Club in Europe and we're expanding into the Caribbean and to Southeast Asia in the coming years. What is something that you hope for, maybe even depend on to succeed that is out of your control? Um, great question. Um, if there was something that's beyond our control, um, you know, we, we do our best to mitigate those things. We, we focus on the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. <laughs> but in, in thinking about all of those things, it's those unknown unknowns that you have no control over. And you know, trying to just mitigate that risk is, is where we are. We always want to make sure that uh, you know, we, we keep people happy and new technologies are probably the one thing that is of greatest concern. And we, we try to make sure we stay in front of that. That was part of our, our acquisition and uh, signing up for a fleet of uh, electric aircraft. You know, what makes Tony Stark from Iron Man great isn't that, you know, he's you know, got some superpowers. It's the technology that he leverages to put into use. And we want to make sure that we stay in front of uh, those technologies and that we're using them to support our customer base the best. Uh, one thing that we've seen pop up time and time again is that um, entrepreneurs and innovators, not only do they expect the unexpected, but they actually look for opportunities to turn the unexpected into opportunities. Um, you know, when you don't know what's going to happen, but you know something's going to happen and something happens, instead of saying, oh my God, this I can't believe this is happening. Instead, it's more of a, yeah, I thought this might happen or I thought something might happen. Where's the opportunity here? This is unknown to us, but how can we flip this? Yeah, yeah. COVID is a perfect example of that. Um, and you know, my co-founder and I, from my time in the Air Force, you know, when, when you are, are planning a mission in the Air Force, you've got to be prepared for everything, um, and you have to have 
some additional balance and, and planning to have some extra fuel, have an extra weapon uh, to defend yourself, to not only fight your way in, but also to fight your way out if you have to uh, for those contingencies. Um, it, in either case, you're in the fight and you've got to succeed. COVID being a perfect example of that, uh, most of the industry shut their doors. They furloughed their, their flight crew, their pilots. In our case, we ran to the flame, towards the flames. Uh, we believe that there was an opportunity there that we could seize as everyone else was closing their doors, as they were shedding their talent. Uh, we brought that talent in-house. Uh, we invested in our expansion and in our growth and to make sure that we were ready to scale on the other side of this, anticipating that people will want more access. They will educate themselves further uh, during the pandemic. And in turn, we've got to be ready to support those clients and not just support them and provide them with transportation, but to exceed every expectation. Uh, so that's what we did. That was the opportunity that we saw. And you know, we are very keen towards focusing on where's the next gap, where's the next opportunity. Uh, for our, towards our success. You, you touched on something that I was hoping we could get into a little bit. Um, most people who start companies don't have the same training as you. Can you tell us about your training? What was it like and how does that impact how you approach your business today? Yeah, um, you know, fly, flying in the Air Force is a, a, a challenging course. Uh, probably the most difficult course that I went through. I went, I'm an Air Force Academy graduate and you know, people talk about how challenging that the university is or the, the education at the academy was. But when I look at it, I can take all four years and apply them to my time in pilot training. You're learning a new language. You're physically putting your life in peril if you don't fly or land the airplane safely. Um, but it's that stick to It's that perseverance and resilience. Um, it's the understanding that you have to be incrementally better every single day. You may not be perfect every day, but you're constantly focusing on how do I get just a little bit better? Um, it's those experiences coupled with uh, the understanding that you know tomorrow may not be here. Uh, in, in fighters, we always talk about it. The war starts tomorrow. So you've got to be ready for whatever happens. So every opportunity that you have to train, you expend every ounce of fuel that you can to make sure that you're training properly, uh, that you're getting the most out of every tax dollar that our, our, our government is, is applying towards us. Uh, and it's that kind of mentality that you know, we approach everything with. Uh, Tomorrow may not be here. We have to succeed today. Let's seize the opportunity. Let's be the best we can be. And let's continually improve in every moment that we have um, in, in this business, in every handshake, in every customer discussion, uh, in every single flight. Do you feel like that's difficult to convey to your team, that, that same perception or perspective? Uh, in, in some cases, yes, but you know, for every single person that comes into our business, uh, you know, I, I sit down with them and talk to them about where we've come from. And where we've come from begins with my co-founder Vishal Hidamath and I. It begins with you know, him coming to the United States with a scholarship for a single semester. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but a single semester of anything is worth nothing more than a bill that you're going to get if you don't finish the rest of the degree. Um, it's the experience that I had as you know one of very few uh, men of color flying fighters. Uh, it's just a unique experience across the board that we bring to the table, and we share that, and we share who we are as a company, um, what 
outlines and defines our, our success, what has defined it uh, for he and I, and how success is habitual and how we can maintain that by maintaining our culture. And we've got essentially five D's and five C's that uh, we outline as how we succeed and how we'll continue to succeed for our culture. We always like to talk about teams and, and innovation teams, disruption teams. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the first early key hires you made, maybe even your first five hires? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I guess some of the biggest and best hires that we've had um, uh, would be our our leadership team. Um, you know, Vaughn Ronsted Wright is our director of maintenance. I worked with Vaughn at Gulfstream uh, and saw that toughness, that stick to itiveness, that uh, mental fortitude, and, and flexibility to get the job done. Uh, Chris Crawford, I've known for 25 plus years. Uh, Chris and I went to rival middle schools. He's our chief operating officer. Uh, he joined us at the beginning of the pandemic. And for to have someone like Chris with his Harvard or West Point, Harvard education, uh, private equity experience, you know, what I tell people about Chris is we were a company just getting it done until uh, Chris joined us and we became a, a business. Henry Kim is our chief commercial officer. Duncan Jones, our VP of sales, both with a wealth of experience in a number of areas. Our VP of strategy, Dr. Akir Khan. You know, we come from all kinds of environments. And, you know, those are just a few of the many names and great hires that have helped propel us as we were running towards those flames. A lot of those individuals started with us around that time frame at the beginning of the pandemic, and it's paid off in spades seems like there's a high barrier to entry in the aviation industry if you want to disrupt. But for young entrepreneurs, do you see opportunity there? And if so, where is it? Yeah, the, you know, the opportunity is uh, on the tech side of the business. There are a ton of companies that are very focused on trying to connect the end user with the customer, um, with, with the operator. Uh, and so I would say that uh, if you can create an app and you can, can connect with uh, people and have a great user experience and offer something of, of benefit to the operators, um, there, there's there's a gap there. There's a market there. Very much like Expedia and Hotwire, um, in, in some cases, helped along and eliminated a lot of the jobs that we had as travel agents. Um, you know, the travel agent industry is a much more boutique space. Um, if you're offering some type of high-end experience, uh, it's very different from when I was a kid. If you wanted to go somewhere, you went to your local travel agent, maybe someone recommended by friends or family, and they coordinated your tickets, your rental car, your hotel, uh, your plane fare. Uh, they did everything for you. Well, all of that's at our fingertips now uh, in our phones, and the same thing's happening in private aviation. What is something that most people don't know about air travel? Um, I, I think people have no idea how difficult the industry is. It's so glamorous. You see private jets and fancy cars and, you know, well-dressed and well-heeled people getting in and out of the airplanes. And even if it's on the commercial side, you see the big, large aircraft and the expensive fuel um, and, you know, the new exotic destinations that these vehicles can take you to and from. But what's happening behind the scenes is a complete and total grind. The margins are incredibly low and incredibly tight. Uh, so although it's a glamorous industry, you know, it's the, the workouts that are happening behind the scenes that, you know, build all of the muscles that everyone's uh, gawking at. So final question, if you want to give advice to someone who's thinking about starting a company in any industry, what would it be? Be ready. 
Be ready. You can. Um, I, I think one of the things that uh, I often say to myself is, well, why not me? Uh, as I'm approaching a new goal or a new obstacle, um, of, of course I can do this. Why, why not me? Why, why should I let someone else take this on? Um, once you've accepted the fact that, yes, I'm going to do it, then you've got to find the best people that you can surround yourself with. People that you trust, people that you can understand and express uh, your feelings and emotions to, uh, high and low, and, and then collectively go succeed. You know, you've got a dream, get the data, get the information to outline your strategy, be disciplined about that, be determined when other people tell you you can't do it. And then as best as you can, make sound decisions based upon your values. Uh, those are the five D's that we outline as our success. And so I, what I would say to someone is, yes, you most certainly can do it. Uh, why not you? And um, be disciplined about it. You can, you can accomplish your goal. And be ready. And be ready. <laughs> it reminds me years ago, I was watching an interview um, with Derek Rose, an NBA basketball player, and, and the interviewer asked him, who do you think is going to be the MVP this year, LeBron James or Kevin Durant? And he said, why not me? And at the time, I laughed. <laughs> of course, it's not going to be you. And he ended up being the MVP that year. It stuck with me. So why not me? I love it. Why not me? Glenn, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck. Um, excited to see what you do. And uh, thank you for being here today. Andrew, this is a treat. Thank you for sharing uh, Jedit with your uh, listeners. Absolutely. I hope we all get a chance to get on one of those plans soon. Come see us. We're here and uh, reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. The Innovation Cookbook is brought to you by SF AppWorks. We help companies and entrepreneurs ideate, design, prototype, and develop game-changing software. For more episodes, search for The Innovation Cookbook wherever you listen to podcasts, or check us out at sfappworks.com. This episode was produced by McCall Manor. The sound was edited by Andre Drugerman. The music was created by Pattern Based. Thanks Leah Ardelian for marketing, and a special thanks to Svetlana Golovnia and Yulia Zubov for finding great guests to share their stories with us. We'll catch you next time.